so good to see you guys. Take out your copy of God's Word and turn to Genesis chapter 16. Hey, not because the preacher's good, but because God's good and His Word is good. But has this series not been rich? Come on, has it been one per- for one person? Has it- have you gotten something out of this? Has God been, been speaking to you? I-, I, hope I hope the notes have been helpful. There have been a lot of uh, content. And so uh, we encourage everybody to take notes. And we, put these, we started putting them on our app as well. And so they're right on the front page of the app. And I encourage you. So whether you're, you're writing down with paper and pen or whether you're doing that electronically, we believe that this is going to help you. And so um, as we continue, our series on generations, I want to talk today about those times where, where our timing our timing can be off, right? So sometimes timing can be the difference between celebration and frustration. We, we see this in baseball, right? In hitting, in hitting a baseball, you can have Mr. C, baseball chaplain for our, for our, our hometown Charlotte Knights. Uh, ti- timing is everything, right? So you can have all of your mechanics right, eye on the ball, hands through the zone, weight back, turn in your hips. But if your timing is off, if your timing is off, that can be the difference between a foul ball and a home run. In football, somebody's been recovering maybe from a, a torn ACL or a, tor, a, a, a torn MCL, and they're coming back, and they said, they, you always hear something like this in the interview. Like, my knee feels fine, but it's getting used to the to the speed of the game, right? It's, a, it's an issue of, of timing. On your way here, you, you, you lived it out in traffic lights, right? And some, so, when, you're, when you're late for work, when you're late for that kid's orthodontist appointment, traffic lights hitting a string of green lights, and you just know that God's favor is on you that day. But, but it's funny, it's funny, isn't it, how timing or when our timing is off, it can affect more than just the thing at hand. So if your timing is off, then it can lead to the emotion of frustration. And the emotion of frustration can lead to acts of impatience. If that's ever happened to you, say amen. amen. So even the best of hitters in baseball, even Hall of Fame hitters, they go through slumps. Right? And if their timing is off, they can feel frustrated. And in their frustration, it will lead to acts of impatience and they'll swing at pitches that they don't have any business swinging at. Or, or, or at the traffic light, if you hit every red light, you will feel frustrated, which can lead to acts of impatience that you would act on, except that you have a multiply sticker on the back of your car. And so you don't act on, on those. And, and so what I, what I want to do, I want to I preach to somebody who feels like maybe the, the, your timing is just a little bit off. Maybe it's in business decisions. Maybe it's in a relationship or in your marriage. Maybe, maybe it's in your spiritual life and you feel like I, I, I'm doing everything I can, but, but my timing is just a little bit off. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. I want to preach you into, into good timing. I want to preach you into good rhythm today. Now, Sarai, and remember, I'm using these interchangeably because Sarai's name was changed to Sarah and Abram's name was changed to Abraham. So I'll use those inter- interchangeably. So now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. 
Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Let's stop right there. Y'all ever seen those silent movies where like somebody's about ready to walk through a door and there's a person with a gun getting ready to shoot them on the other side and everybody, you'd watch somebody watching a silent movie and everybody out loud would shout like, no, don't do it. Men, can we just all say, Abram, don't do it? Like, can we all just say out loud, this is a bad idea? Like, wave your hands, no, Abram. Bad idea. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. So, so I want to I stop there and just talk about the fact that we live in an on-demand, instant gratification, disposable society. Like, we want what we want, and we want it now, and then when we're done with it, we don't have any more use for it. So I was in a, 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 two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, I was in a Google Hangout meeting, and um, it was time for my third cup of coffee of the day. So I, I was sitting there in the meeting, and, and I couldn't, it would have been awkward for me to get up because I was very engaged in the conversation, but Pastor Kevin had slipped into the room, and he was sitting right, right by the Keurig machine, like, like three steps. And so I motioned over to him, and I'm like, you know, need a hit. I needed something. That's probably not a Christian way to do that. Forget. <laughs> Let's back that way up. I need, a dr- I need something. Stick to the notes, Pastor Doug. But I was like, Pastor, Pastor Kevin, I need like, and so Pastor Kevin gets up and he walks out of the room. I'm like, what's he, what's he doing? Does he know who signs his paycheck? Like, what, what is going on in this moment? And so I'm having all kinds of thought bubbles, like, like, did I not communicate, like, what's going on? And, and not only left the room, he was a long time being gone. And so, and so this lack of timing is leading to emotions of, uh, of frustration, which was about to lead to acts of impatience. And, and I'm talking, you know, Harrison, I'm like, what's going on? What's he, what's he doing? And, what's, and, and until, until the moment that he walked back in the room, not with a Keurig cup of coffee, which is like if hell brewed coffee, Keurig would be one step above that. Can we all just admit that out loud? And yet it is, it's convenient, right? It's, con- it's convenient. But he walked in. See, the reason he was gone so long is because he was grinding freshly roasted beans and putting it into a French press and allowing it to steep for a while, and he pressed it down, and he brought me that cup of coffee, and it only took one sip for me to say something like this in my spirit, something like, also parenthetical statement, I'm sorry for all the things that I was thinking in the gap that you didn't know about, but I'm sorry, but it took me, but in in that moment, what I was thinking was, boy, I'm glad I waited. I'm glad. I wonder, I wonder what you're walking through in your life that feels like your timing is off, that you're going through emotions of impatience, that you're about to act out of frustration, but that a year from now or a month from now or five years from now, you will look up to God in heaven in a worship service and lift a hand and say, I'm glad I waited. 
I want, can I preach this to our teenagers? Can I preach this to our single adults that someday you're going to be standing at an altar and that man or woman of God that has been chosen for you from the foundations of that or of the earth are going to walk down the aisle and you are going to get to spend the rest of your life with them. And in that moment, you're going to be able to say, I'm glad I waited. Say, I'm glad I waited. There are promises of God. See, here's the truth. We don't get to determine if something's fruitful or not. Can I encourage somebody today to wait for Sarah? Don't give up on Sarah. Don't abandon Sarah and go to Hagar. Stick with Sarah. Sarah was still fruitful. Let me prophesy this over somebody's marriage today. Your marriage is a Sarah marriage. It's still fruitful. There's more joy there. There's more laughter there. There's more adventures to be had, more trips to take, more memories to make just because something has not been fruitful up until this point in your life does not mean that it won't be fruitful in the future. I'm glad I waited. God, I pray that you will impart wisdom to somebody, impart wisdom and discernment from the Holy Spirit Somebody's making a decision. You may be making a decision to get rid of an employee because they have not been fruitful. Maybe it's the right time, but maybe they're Sarah. Before you close down the branch that's not profitable, you need to hear from the Lord. Before you, teacher, before you give up on the student who's falling behind, I'm not saying sometimes it's, it's not right to, to move on and something's not, not profitable. I'm not saying, I'm just saying that you need to hear that from the Lord. And because, again, you don't get to determine what's fruitful and what's not fruitful. Only the Lord does. And so don't you give up on Sarah before her time. And then it says this. And Abram, oh, Abram. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. Church, be careful what you agree with. Can, can I teach you a powerful spiritual principle? It's the power of agreement. Abram's life was made miserable because he agreed with the wrong voices. Last week, we said that your life becomes what you look at. This week, we learned from Abram that your life becomes what you agree with. See, there's so, there's so many voices that are competing for your amen. So you say this, Pastor, why do you, why do you get so fired up in service and why do you yell sometimes and why do you have us say things out loud and and why do you say yes say amen see what i'm trying you i'm not trying to i'm not trying to be your hype man i'm trying to teach you the spiritual principle of agreement and i'm trying to teach you that the things that you verbally agree with in your mouth become reality in your life and so you say well pastor i'm not an amen type of person yes you are you're just saying amen to the wrong things you're saying amen to the voices in your head all the time that are saying i'm not good enough and you just say amen uh, uh, you're not you're not good enough to be used in ministry your past is is greater than your future amen we agree with the voices of the enemy we agree with negative critical people all around us and we're just saying amen to the wrong things what i'm trying to teach you is to say amen to the promises of god 
Say yes to Jesus. Say yes. And so we have to be intentional about saying that. We have to be intentional about agreeing with the promises of God and what he says over us. If any two of you agree on earth, the promises of God are yes and amen. We don't always have control over what we hear, but we do have control over what we agree with. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. And this happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. And so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. And so then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. Men, you knew this was coming, right? <laughs> Men, let me help you to have a good afternoon. You just look forward. You just nod your head. And just say, I need every, every man to say my fault. There, I just, I just saved you a whole conversation this afternoon. My, my fault. <laughs> Sarah, I said, I put my servant into your arms. But now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me. We got, we got a little bit of a mess on our hands, right? How many of you think that, uh, that Sunday evening dinners were just a little bit awkward? Right? This is, it's, not just that, it's not just that Hagar was pregnant. That would have been hard enough for Sarai that spent her entire life desiring a child. She was pregnant with Sarah's promise. Have you ever had to be around another person that was receiving the fulfillment of the very thing that you had prayed for and fasted for and cried for and gone up to the altar for and believed God for and you look around and you're still barren and somebody else is walking in that very thing? See, there's, that's, called, that's called real life, isn't it? Aren't you, aren't you glad, like, all of these things that we say, like, that, that God is a God of resurrection power and that God takes, takes all situations and works them for good, like, those are all absolutely true statements. But how many of you know the Bible doesn't steer clear of all the junk you have to go through to get there sometimes, Right? Like for there to be resurrection life, something had to die. For, for God to take work all things to, for, for good, some of those all things had to be pretty rough. And so like we, we got a mess on our hands here. And so then, so then in verse 6, Abram replied, look, she's your servant. You, you see this conversation here. I mean, you've, you've been in these conversations. Hopefully not exactly this conversation, but something like this. Abram replied, look, she's your servant. So you deal with her as you see fit. And so then Sarah treated harshly, treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. Treating the other person in your life harshly who is benefiting from your poor decisions isn't going to make it better for you. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to shore. And the angel said to her, Hagar. Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? So I I don't want to read through this passage so quickly that that we forget about Hagar. 
lot of times when, when I've preached this passage, I've, I've kind of just pushed Hagar off to the side, right? Because we're, we're focusing on Abraham and Sarah and how they, they took God's promise, but they took it into their own hands and their timing was off and they tried to force something in the physical that God hadn't yet quite released in the spiritual and just all, all of that was just absolutely true. But, but what, about, what about Hagar? Hagar submitted to and obeyed authority and I would submit to you was abused by her authority. Can, can I preach this to somebody this morning who is in a situation that truly is not your fault? You submitted to authority. Maybe, maybe you were even in a situation where authority took advantage of you. This... This is going to be tough, but I, I, need to, I need to preach this. I need you to understand this. My, my heart was so stirred today because I knew that there would be people within the sound of my voice who have walked through horrible abuse. Maybe it was sexual abuse. Maybe it was physical abuse. Maybe it was emotional abuse. And I believe with all of my heart that that the Lord brought you here today or that you're viewing online today, you're joining us online today, and the Lord wants to bring healing to you. In fact, can I show you how much the Lord wants to bring healing to you? So I didn't uh, advertise this at all. This wasn't, we didn't put anything else uh, out about this, this sermon or the direction of it. But during worship, somebody slipped up to me and just said, Pastor, I feel so strongly that there's an anointing here today for somebody who's walked through abuse. So watch, watch this because this is, gonna, this is going to seem a little bit hard, but you need, you need to hear this. So if you've been mistreated by authority, there's two crucial questions, and they come right from Scripture. So the angel asks these questions to Hagar, who in a sense had been sexually abused. And I, and I know it was a... In that day in society, uh, it was different. I understand that they did bring into covenant relationship and, and all of that, but Hagar didn't have a choice in the matter. The angel asks two questions. Number one, where have you come from? Where have you come from? If you have walked through an abusive situation, you can't be healed until you fully acknowledge where you came from. You, you, you can't outrun your past. At, at some point, you're going to have to acknowledge the pain. You can't pretend that it didn't happen. You can't pretend that everything's okay. So that's the first question that you have to ask is like, where did I come from? And you have to turn and you have to begin to face that. And, and we, have, we have counselors at the church. We have uh, uh, amazing ministries at the church. And so I don't want to just throw this out. If you need to walk through this, you let us know. And we will put you in touch with people that can help you walk through an amazing time of healing for this. But here's the second question. The second question may be even more important than the first, although you can't get to the second question before you deal with the first question. The second question is where are you going? 
Where are you going? So the first, the angel says, Hagar, where have you come from? And now he asks, where are you going? Can I preach to somebody who has walked through the horrors of abuse that where you're going doesn't have to be the same as where you came from? You don't have to walk through life with a victim mentality. And so then the response is, I'm running away from my mistress. I'm running away. And I've found in 25 years of ministry that many times people who have been hurt by authority can spend their lives running. Running away, they think they're running away from the hurt, but they're really running away from God. They're running away from church, and they're running away from a community of people that can surround them and help heal them. But now watch, this is just crazy. This is just crazy. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. So why would God tell Hagar to return to the very situation that she just walked out of that has caused her so much hurt. So, so side statement here. I am not saying, if you're in a physically abusive or an emotionally abusive relationship, I'm not saying to go back into that relationship. But here's what the Bible teaches. So you have to say, God, why would you tell Hagar to go back to Sarai? Two reasons. Number one, I believe that Sarai in this time had changed. So we, we understand that the the other person, we only have control over our reaction, but we don't always have control over how the other person is going to change. So sometimes you can't go back into that situation if they haven't changed. I believe that God in his sovereignty knew that Sarai had changed. But here's the more important reason. Here's the more important reason. Watch this. God was teaching Hagar that he always say always. God always flows blessing through authority. And if Hagar never learned to submit to authority, she would not have been running from her pain. She would have been running from her promise. And so this is the part that sounds hard, but I've got to talk to some, I've got, you were, you walked through a situation, somebody hurt you deeply. Maybe it was a spiritual authority. Maybe it was a parental authority. Maybe it was an educational authority. Maybe it was a governmental authority. I don't know what situation that that you walked out of, but God has to teach you to submit to authority because he always flows blessing and protection. And the reason it hurts so bad, the reason it was extra painful is because that authority should have protected you and it didn't. And that's what the enemy does. The enemy will hijack authority to turn you against all authority and to keep you from submitting yourself under the umbrella umbrella of authority and we live in a day and an age that so many people are walking away from church because they've walked through a hurtful situation in church I'm not excusing that I'm so sorry that it happened but we have to understand that God has to teach us to say where did you come from but also where are you going and where I came from is not going to determine where I'm going 
This happened. It was real, but I'm not a victim. I am a victor in the name of Jesus. I'm going to walk through healing. I'm going to walk forward, and I'm going to step back under spiritual authority. I'm going to learn to listen to all of us. I need to, God would never allow me to hold a position of authority if I didn't submit to authority. That's one of the the things that this isn't just something for church people. This is something for leaders and spiritual authority is that we all have to learn. We've all had some Hagar moments. Some have been like on a scale of one and some have been on a scale of 10. But we've all had Hagar moments where the covering in our life didn't produce what the covering should have produced. And the very first thing is, can you submit to authority? Can you submit to authority? And the angel also said, you're now pregnant. So Hagar, he's he's talking to Hagar now. You're now pregnant and will give birth to a son and you are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. And this son of yours will be a wild man as untamed as a wild donkey and he will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. But let's go back to verse verses 9 and 10. Verses 9 and 10, the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, submit to her authority. Now watch, watch this. As soon as she submits, watch the blessing. Watch the blessing. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. But then down to verse 12, this son of yours will be a wild man, untamed, raise his fist. This is, oh, this is really complicated. Do you see how comp was was Ishmael blessed or was Ishmael cursed? The answer, the answer is yes, right? Here's, here's the real problem. This is, this is, I know this is like, this may require some unpacking in your, in your devotions. I don't have time. I don't know that I fully understand it. The, the curse was blessed. When did, when did Abram receive his blessing to produce offspring that would fill the earth? In Genesis 12, 1, right? I will bless you, make your descendants as numerous as the seashore. And so Abram had an anointing on his life in his impatience. He misused his anointing and he birthed something that was a curse, but God couldn't take back the blessing from the curse. Do you see this? What does this have to do with my life? You carry an anointing. Be careful what you birth under that anointing. When you use the very thing that God has gifted you to do for the purpose of the enemy, it's still, it's still blessed. But it's a curse that's blessed. You say, why is there so much evil in this world? Why are there leaders that are able to lead people astray? Because they have an anointing upon their lives, probably of an apostle, to lead a great movement of God. But the anointing has been birthed in human selfishness and all of this other junk. And so we see things that are cursed, that are gaining great momentum and great speed in our society. Is this making any kind of sense? Be careful. That's why you have to be careful what 
what you birth under the anointing. We've all been there. We've all been impatient. We've all birthed Ishmael's in our lives. So verse 13, thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So the well was named Be'er Lehi Roy, which means the well of the living one who sees me. And so if you are here today and you feel like you're Hagar, if you feel like you have been walking through abuse or have never dealt with the abuse in your life, I proclaim that name, that prayer of Hagar over you that God sees you. He sees you. He sees you. I'm sorry that it happened, but he sees you, and he is a well over you. He is Beher, Lehi Roy. He is the God who will minister healing and forgiveness and restoration to you. And so Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael, and Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. This this is the final thing, and we'll bring this all, all together here. Like you, feel, like, you feel like you've been on a, a roller coaster through this passage, right? Like, Abraham's blessed, and he's cursed, and Hagar's doing good, but then she's running and returning. Like, we got all, like, in just these few verses, we got, we got this soap opera of, of stuff here. But here's, here's the reality. The reality is there's, a, there's an Ishmael. Like, there's a... So God redeem, restore, and ev- everything, and all, all of that stuff, which is true. But, but there's an Ishmael. And this is, this is how I want to close this message. Because, again, we've all, we've all birthed some Ishmaels in our impatience, in getting ahead of God. Our timing has been off. We've all birthed things in our life out of our anointing, out of our blessing, that we're still dealing with in some ways the Ishmael. So here's what we have to ask ourselves does Jesus work on the cross remove the curse even even for the Ishmael in your life does Jesus work on the cross does Christ finished work on the cross remove the Ishmael well let's go to Galatians 3:13 but Christ Galatians says this but Christ has rescued us from the curse and pronounced by law when he hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So in order to understand just how much that Jesus took the curse, we have to read that verse. Can we read that verse? Cursed is he who hung on a tree. What does that even mean? Well, I want to read that verse through the lens of Adam. So think back to another husband and wife situation that didn't go really well. Remember, Eve got impatient. And what did Adam do with that impatience? And he agreed with the impatience. Be careful what you agree with. Your life becomes what you agree with. Here, eat the apple. I agree with that. Amen. Adam just, just said his amen to what his wife had said. And so he took the bite of that apple. Where did the apple or whatever fruit? We don't really know exactly what fruit. It could have been a mango or a kiwi or whatever. But, but it took the, where did the fruit come from? The fruit came from a tree. 
And so now you have a man that because of his agreement with his impatience birthed something out of his anointing that was sin and death. And so the same anointing that was upon Adam, what was Adam's original anointing? To be fruitful and multiply. So Adam birthed a curse that was blessed. But now instead of life being fruitful and multiply, what was fruitful and multiply? It was sin and death. So the curse began to multiply. And now Adam, can you imagine the shame and guilt that Adam would have had to walk through as he watched his one son murder another son, as he watched people, and as he lived over 900 years, and he watched this, this curse that was blessed that was multiplying, and all of this sin and death because of the impatient decision that he agreed with that was tied to him and a tree. And now I want you to listen to this verse in Galatians as Adam would have understood it. Because Christ, the Bible tells us, was the second Adam. And so as Adam is watching this moment, as Jesus is crucified and he is nailed not just, not to a rock, he wasn't stoned, he wasn't he wasn't led up onto a cliff and pushed off of a cliff. The method of crucifixion, the method that Jesus died from is just as important and so Christ as the second Adam was crucified on a tree I, I want to submit to you in that moment that Adam use your spiritual imagination with me that Adam Adam lost it I bet Adam just had tears flowing down his cheeks like are you are you kidding me God the very thing, the tree that has been the symbol of my guilt and my shame for all of these years. You, re- you redeemed that. My goodness, the spirit of the Lord is in this house this morning. And his word to you is he is redeeming your Ishmael. Stand with me all across this auditorium. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't know who I'm preaching this to. I don't know who is carrying some weight, who's carrying the the burden of a decision that you made years ago and you feel like you're carrying an Ishmael. You feel like you're still carrying the weight of the decision. God is saying to you, but I'm redeeming it. I'm restoring it. I'm bringing it. I'm turning that curse into a blessing. Blessed is he who is hung on on the tree in the name of Jesus. Now with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, you would say, Pastor, I'm Hagar and I need to learn to trust again. I need to learn to trust again. I need healing. I've been, I've been walking through. I've been abused and I need healing. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not even looking around, but just as a symbol to the Lord, would you just slip up your hand and say, I want to learn to trust again. I want to learn the power. Of, I want God bring a good authority into that person's life in the name of Jesus. And I pray that this would be a moment in your life where you begin to trust, where you begin to trust, where you begin to trust, where you begin to trust in the name of Jesus. One more question. You would say, Pastor, I haven't accepted Jesus into my life and into my heart. 
I feel, Pastor, I feel like I'm walking around, but I'm not awake. I feel like I'm going through the motions, but I'm not alive. And I need to say yes to Jesus. If that's you here today, as I pray this prayer out loud, I just want you to pray that silently at your seat. Say something like this. Just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died and rose again. And I receive that life into my heart today so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose. In Jesus' name, I need everybody that is thankful that you serve a God that restores and redeems even the Ishmaels that you have birthed into your life. Come on, give him a shout of praise in the house today.